Billy, this podcast and you have something in common. We do? Yeah. We're both 50. 50. (laughs) 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 Well, don't say anything. Break out the champagne. He yeah. turned 50 earlier this year, and we just now turned rolled over 50 on our podcast. I think I'm, this, I'm pretty sure it's episode 50, believe it or not. That means over, that means almost a year's worth of these things. Yeah. And so we got, we got the illustrious, infamous Sean Didyong with us. How about that, Sean? You're our 50th, you're our 50th birthday, buddy. That's a, uh... I guess it's a privilege, isn't it? Most definitely. But uh, yeah, pretty cool deal. I, I just started listening to the podcast not too long ago. And it's like uh, during COVID and Netflix, it was just a binge deal of just one after <laughs> another after another. And, and actually, I started with you with guys' pricing deal. And then I'd kind of jump around and pick certain ones but now i think i've just about got every single one of them watched so dang no i think i think that's actually what's happening to quite a few people it seems like i mean you just look at our analytics and and uh and every once in a while hear somebody say something similar to what sean just said that yeah i was kind of nibbling around maybe a little bit and then then i decided to jump in with both feet and and that may explain some of our, our yeah. trending right we, now or trending. We thought we were more. getting popular and it's just did young binging on our podcast to create all the downloads. Right. <laughs> 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 Which I was looking at it and I just may not have seen the deal, but I was wanting to see how many views that you guys had had, but I never could figure that stuff out. But a lot of good content in there, that's for sure. Well, yeah. Go ahead, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to access that. I think I'm probably the only one that could see that. But I think we're somewhere around like sixteen thousand total downloads, and we're hovering somewhere around four hundred a week right now, something like that. So, not huge numbers, but not not insignificant either. So, I don't think Rogan is uh, threatened to buy us yet, but that's all right. No, no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure he's had to, you guys have had to come up on his radar. He's like, who is that Wild Willie? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I doubt it. But that's all good. You know, I mean, I, I, it is a thank you for listening, Sean. I mean, that's kind of cool that you are. Yeah. Well, I, it really, uh, it takes a lot of uh, guts and nerves to do what you guys are doing because you open yourself up to a lot of criticism at times and but that, I mean, that's the cool deal. That's why we always have the precursor. Scared. We always have the precursor. You can do what you want. This is just how we do it, right? So, right. Yeah. but there's a yeah. lot of truth to that because we all are individuals, right? It's all yeah. we all have our own way. We all have our own shops, our own lives, our own family to contend with. And and uh, you know, guys look at me getting up at three or four o'clock in the morning, and think I'm a blooming idiot, and I am. But they're also idiots for staying up till two o'clock in the morning working the way they do. So it all equals out, right? Right. All equals. So tell us a little bit about Mr. Sean Did Young for those that don't know. And I, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that I met you, I guess. So uh, 
I guess it's a number of years ago, but we haven't had a lot of interaction, not a lot of trails haven't crossed. And there you were standing across the hall from me at Grand Masters in August, giving me the stink eye. And I said, this guy's kind of stocky shorts. Yeah, I better be his friend. I don't want him beating me up or nothing. And I, started, <laughs> I started being real friendly real quick to see if I can soften him up. And tell us a little bit about yourself. I, you know, there's a lot. Of uh, yeah, I guess I. there's nothing really uh, illustrious or awesome about it. I just uh, cowboyed a lot. Uh, that's the only thing that I knew to do. Cowboy and shoe horses and just stay leaned over and work hard. And uh, I always liked nice handmade gear. My, I, I, don't know, I was in my teens. My dad actually bought me a, my first handmade bit as a, from a guy there in Freona, Texas, old Mike Hand. And that was the start of, um, I don't know. It, the love for nice stuff you know anybody can run down to the uh feed store and grab grab you something off the shelf but to have somebody that is willing to customize something for you even in a small way putting your initial on it or something like that i mean that was pretty cool stuff so i went through lots of different guys that i could afford at the time Back then, uh, like around Amarillo and stuff, you had the Dollar and Dice guys and Robert Evans. Uh, um, every Clapper. once in a while, yeah, Clapper and Cates, yeah. a lot of guys like that. Um, <clears throat> so it, you know, the guys that I had the chance to kind of hang out around with, well, they all had the nice stuff. So that was just always a part of me I guess or I was involved in you know every, whenever you got to see a guy break out some a new set of hooks or a nice bit or you know some head saw buckles well he was a cool kid for the day you know? yeah. <laughs> had so, the shiny stuff <clears throat> no that's that's where I first I guess got involved in this stuff as far as just buying it and collecting it and trading stuff around and uh, I ended up, I was in Garden City, Kansas, working in a feedlot, and I had a college kid that was working for me, old Clint Bear, and um, he'd come in the, in the barn one day, and he had on a little ring that had his initials in it, and I asked him, I said, Clint, I said, where'd you get that ring? And he said, well, I made it. I'm like, bullshit. I know you. We've drank together. You didn't like that. And he's like, no. So is what had happened is while he played a little bit of college football, and while at, in college he took a silversmith in class and they built that ring. Yeah, I thought, man, that's something I want to do, which I had attempted little things like that, but nothing on that scale. So anyways, I took the class, uh, managed to get through it, didn't get thrown out and acquired some skills and just went on kept doing my regular deal and then one day the phone rings and it's a gal that worked for riddles jewelry and she called me up and uh said we want you to come down and take a bench test and to be quite honest i'd never even been in a jewelry store 
So I went down, took a test. Uh, you know, she's like, here, you know, cut this ring. We want to size it, blah, blah, blah. I had to ask her, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> she, she just showed me what to do. And I managed to get the ring soldered back together. And they, uh, that particular company offered me a job as a goldsmith. And up until that, well, for quite some time, you know, working in the feedlots and even on ranches or shoeing horses for the public. You'd see guys drive by in the nice pickups, and I was like, man, I wonder what that's like to have a town job. Right. Um, so then I actually went to work for them guys part-time, and uh, that turned into a full-time job eventually. I just had to bite the bullet because they didn't pay a lot. So once I had that job, well, then I had spare time. It was the first time in, I'd ever experienced, you know, you'd go in, they'd pay you, and you were done at 5 o'clock. I was like, I oh, had wow. no idea what to do from yeah. from 5 to 10. So from there, um, working for the jewelry store, they I transferred from Garden City, Kansas, to Billings, Montana. And... Um, they had a big meeting. They usually do it like once every 10 or 15 years. They gather up all the goldsmiths and put them in a room and you discuss, you know, lots of different ways of techniques and repairing jewelry and building jewelry and all that stuff. So anyways, they had us all in a big room and a guy comes walking in with a Lindsay pneumatic graver hmm. and he had a you know, a big block of steel. And he's like, you guys got to look at this. And he just cut it with no effort. And I knew right then that's kind of what I wanted to do. So I come home and uh, I told Shelly, I'm going to buy this stuff and I'm going to engrave. And luckily, I mean, she's always supported me, but you could tell she was a little apprehensive about the spending that kind of money that we didn't have, you know, just floating around. So anyways, I bought some engraving equipment and I engraved it, anything I could get my hands on. I couldn't, at that time, I literally I couldn't afford a piece of silver to scratch up. So I'd get little bits of steel and aluminum, whatever license plates. I even engraved stupid license plates. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just kept going, and I got to where I would uh, actually sand off the faces of nickels, and that's what I would practice on, huh. which at that time, the, uh, they had the bits and spurs for them kind of hanging around, mm -hmm. and I'd go on there and, um, you know, ask as many questions as I could, and even at that time, it was, there, there was not a lot of people that would that were willing to sit down and share stuff with you. Yeah. Sometimes they'd point you in the right direction. And if you were persistent enough, well, you would figure stuff out. So anyways, I, I managed to take a nickel and get it sanded down. Most of the scratches out of it. And I uh, engraved a little star on there and domed it and put a loop on back of it and, put it on the form like man look what I did I was all proud and happy and the guy coming on on there and commenting on it 
He asked me, he said, what are you going to do with that? I said, I don't know. You know, I'm just, isn't this amazing? Look what I did. <laughs> and he's like, well, do you want to sell it? I was like, I'd never even thought of selling it. I didn't know you could actually make money doing it. You know? yeah. So he asked me if I want to sell it. I said, yeah. Well, then come the question. He said, well, what do you want for it? I said, I don't know. So he's like, I'll give you 20 bucks. And that was the moment when I knew. I just turned a nickel into $20. I'll never see another poor day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Spent $40 a time doing it, right? But you got to. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so actually from there, I mean, that was everybody made little jokes or however you want to view it, snide remarks. So I was a scarf, scarf slide king. Oh. And I mean, I made a ton of them, enough to where I saved my, you know, I'd buy more tools. And I managed to save enough money to where I uh, took a class with Johnny Wire there in Alpine, Texas. And that was the beginning of uh, an entire new deal. When was that? When, when I got you... out of the class. When, when was oh, that was. Uh, so I got out of Johnny's class in March of 2008. I got the little certificate. And, oh, we did, yeah. Uh, when I got, you know, which that was a huge investment yeah you know, probably twenty five hundred three thousand dollars that i'd worked really hard and put in a lot of hours to accumulate and so i got back and shelly you know asked me which i'm sure everybody you expect i went to the class now i'm i hit the road and i'm running well right. there was so much information to absorb, I got home and Shelly asked me, how is it? What are you doing now? Show me what you can do. And I'm like, I honestly don't know. Really? You know, there's these scrolls and backbones and you got bright cuts. And so it was a big deal. But I just, I knew that I had invested uh, my money in something and I wasn't going to just piss it off and, you know, call it a, uh, a whim and go because I actually had physical tools that um, were had value, and I just one of them does. I couldn't let it go. I just kept pursuing it and and going from there. So I don't know. It's a uh, from from the bits and spurs form. You know that was a the place to kind of hang out. Well, then I discovered uh, Sam Alfano's Engravers Cafe, and would just flood my little deal of, uh, you know, downloading pictures of stuff that I draw and stuff that I engrave. And at that time, I would ask anybody and everybody for a critique and uh, which, you know, you open yourself up for a lot of heartbreak when you do that because. <laughs> That's when I hurt your feelings I, and Sheridan, huh? when I hurt your feelers, you asked me for a. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> but I, I, in all honesty, you know, that's what it takes is yeah. a little bit of, well, it, it is to accept honesty from somebody and um, try to improve upon yourself, you know, like when me and you met there at Sheridan, I was really happy about some things of the bracelet that I had showed you. I'd done some sculpting and yeah. incorporated two different kinds of metal. Um, all kinds of stuff like that. And I'll be damned if you were like, well, this scroll, you should have done it different. I was like, I don't care about the scrolls. Look at all the other cool stuff I've done. 
<laughs> that's but, uh, nice. Yeah. That's nice, son. But is what I always got. Yeah, those are cool. But <laughs> so. and then you know the same deal. Like uh, you know, mom and dad, they were all proud of me. Oh, look at this stuff he's doing. And yeah. but there's always that one step further, and it's, it's all. Uh, it's amazing how much it all stays linked together. Um, you know, I listen to Kerry a bunch, which I know this is a broad jump, but he's always talking about how your brain works and stuff like that. And that's how I came to view stuff is I wanted to have self-control, shut down all the chaos and random thoughts and really focus. And they, some people call it in the zone or things like that but uh that that's what i've been attempting to do i've made lots of personal progress and and i still see where there's a long ways to go to get to where i think i want to be is there is there a bit of addiction to that next step do you crave that next step you know where it used to scare us i think in the beginning it scares a lot of people but has that changed for you that the 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 perspective of that where you're going now Right, the next, the next journey, the next step, next part of improvement. Well, I think the main deal that I learned is I have to just be patient and consistent with. Um, I kind of, I, we all, it's funny we all share the same stuff. I get up and I draw, or I make sure that I just get out in the shop every morning and uh, I have a little routine that I go through to as far as drawing or engraving, do a little practice stuff and go from there. And it's amazing that uh, everybody kind of shares that stuff, but very few people um, actually continue to do it day in and day out, which is what yeah. um, enables you to, to get better. If you don't do it, you, you stay stagnant. And, uh, you, okay. You have 20 years of experience of the same experience instead of 20 years of experience if you don't get up and do that routine. Yeah. Well, it's that when jumping back to when I was very first getting going, well, you know, I had said I would just flood the engravers cafe with different drawings and trying to figure stuff out. Well, eventually, at some point, guys were like, man, you should do a book or, or you know, catalog all this stuff so i ended up i uh did a book and not thinking that you know it would sell very much i had no idea but so i put a book together it just i tried to put it in the simplest form i could of how to draw a scroll and uh man that thing just took off so that was a big boost to my ego and uh give me lots of self-confidence so I produced a book and then I would teach classes and right. you know, I, I just kept st stepping up, up on the ladder so is it, learning to engrave and uh, build some stuff has, has been the best thing that I could have ever hoped for and still you're still a goldsmith working in the jewelry store right yeah I can't get away from there they they just keep asking me to come back no matter how bad I misbehave. They, they ask me to come back. So. You, you, you were telling the stories of the ladies up front, the 
the the judges or the critics or you know they check the stones and all that stuff and you, you set a lot of stones and then you have to pass inspection and endure yeah that's uh <laughs> for for the longest time i would uh and this is just a personal deal with me but i would kind of get a little hacked off when they would you know i'd kick out 30 or 40 repairs in a day and they'd come back and oh well we found one loose stone and i took it personally <laughs> for the longest time i'd get mad and be like gosh dang it why they're everybody's against me but just <laughs> once I finally figured out that, you know, they were on my side and they weren't really being mean, they were just helping me achieve not necessarily perfection, but just putting out a good product. So once I finally got over that, which was many years, um, I I clung on to that concept of just get better. Don't let the small things tear you down and and just to keep going. You know, looking for improvement. You articulated something there, Sean, that I think is so important and so hard, right? That experience that you went through. Why is everybody mad at me? You know, why are you so mean to me? We all face that. My dad is like, that's nice, son, but and then about three hours right, yeah. of ass kicking, you're like, I thought I did good. I just did the best thing I'd ever done in my whole wide, whole, whole life, my whole career. And he's like, yeah, you did. Awesome. But if you're going to do it better, <laughs> you got to do this. And, and that, you know, okay. You, you, you become a, a member of the great TCAA and you're one of, you're recognized as one of the, the better makers in the industry. You never get out of that though. Carrie calls me and says, Willie, that's the crookedest damn scroll I've ever seen. What are you doing? I'm like, but isn't it cool what I did? Not really. It'd have been a lot better if you'd have done a round scroll. <laughs> and so, right, you have to you have to be able to endure and understand what those where those ladies are coming from. And that, good on you for for seeing that because it some people never get over it. Right, you ne you never get around it. Uh, the really strange deal is once you recognize those things or you become aware of them, well, then you look around and it's everywhere. Everywhere. So, you know, I struggled through the deal of um, being critiqued at the store and being critiqued online and and then Sheridan by this TCA guy. Didn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> that and then the other deal that I'd done a lot or have started doing a lot is, uh, you know, I listen to different podcasts like guys like Jordan Peterson and read lots of self-help books and actually study the Bible quite a bit. And that's the, that's the thing about the Bible. It's, you know, a couple thousand years of just pure good wisdom mm -hmm. that you can obtain just simply by reading and studying a little bit and, and then you apply it to the rest of your life and things just seem to get better yeah. without a lot of uh, struggle and effort yeah it's getting out of the way of the good lord is a big part of it right he's trying to give us a whole bunch yeah. of stuff but we mess up a whole bunch of that yeah. <clears throat> well and you learn that those people that care enough to tell you their honest opinion 
in a constructive manner, right? There's different ways to deliver the message, but if they're being constructive and helpful, um, those people that used to hurt your feelings, now you realize really are the ones that care the most, that, that really are your friend. Because if you don't like, if, if I don't, I mean, if somebody's a turd to me and, and uh, I'm not going to tell them where to get better. I mean, if, they're, if they don't want to hear it, I don't have to tell them. It doesn't matter. Right. I don't care. Their, their career doesn't affect mine. So, but if I care about somebody that those are usually the ones I'm the hardest on, you know, cause I want them to get better. The, the thing that I was actually teaching at, um, at the community called college there in Tucumcari, New Mexico, do that once or twice a year. And I would just do drawing classes, which I ended up getting into that because of Russell Yates. I had taken a bit in spur making class and he see me drawing on the chalkboard one day at lunch and hustled me down to the head uh -huh. of the college and said, this guy needs to teach a class. Uh -huh. So while doing that, actually it was kind of one of the last classes that I had taught there was I had like Nevada water in there and several other people. Um, so I had, you know, you got the big white chalkboard and we draw a scroll. Instead of me just standing up there doing it myself, I thought I would try something different. And I would have each student go up and if I drew a scroll, I'd have Tom or Timmy or whoever it was go up and correct that scroll mm. and just kind of went all through the class. And the most rewarding part of that was to see everybody actually grasp onto the concept of what we were doing and see them improve in real time right in front of you. So I, I really enjoy um, putting on drawing classes and little engraving classes at my house, knowing that I'm giving or helping somebody improve on their ability to, to feed themselves and earn a, a little bit better wage at whatever it is that they choose to do, you know, giving somebody self-confidence like other people have given me that's a, probably the best feeling that I've ever come across. Yeah. Giving back is a, I don't know, as we age, maybe Schwartz, you can probably elaborate more about this, but the giving back to the industry thing, I know Ernie's in that stage of his career and that Ernie in really really enjoys the teaching and and having people in his shop and he enjoys that as much more ernie marshall i'm talking about though those you don't know but uh yeah ernie he, he, he enjoys the teaching enjoys people in his class and and may enjoy that more than building the epic piece you know than the, the big career defining piece he, he he enjoys that part you shorty is it more rewarding now than ever for you i think so i think it always has been Pretty much. I, I taught my first class in Elko in 2003, so that's 21 years ago. And uh, so, yeah, I, I when you see the light bulb come on, when Sean was talking about, you see, you see real time, uh, you grasp what it is that's going on. And, and uh, it's especially gratifying because some of this stuff that I get into can get a little abstract and takes takes a while to absorb it takes a while to get <clears throat> to get get it, your head around it so if somebody gets 
they understand it and they can start to put it to use right away in a class and uh, and you know they're they're really going to hit the ground running once they get home when there's no audience and stuff like that so yeah i i love teaching although i <clears throat> i have such a pile of work to do that i'm trying to reel in the teaching a little bit you are too mm-hmm. <laughs> almost yeah. by necessity you 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 can only do so much but but Sean's journey is so sounds it's just uh so interesting to to hear his story that that parallels so much of what we do too Mm -hmm. uh that's pretty cool he thought he was weird but he's not he's normal with us so there you go yeah we're all weird (laughs) right yeah no I'll tell you what was a little weird in Kansas he we sat down at the local pool hall and Sean's one of them guys that he loves to shoot pool and he brings his own sticks to the party and each stick has a purpose and all this. So you, when he said, do you shoot pool? I said, hell no, not with somebody like you for sure. right? Not gonna <laughs> do it. But he sat down and he said, all right, boys, I'm ordering the first drink. All right. It got really eccentric when he said, you ever had a surfer on acid? I was like, hell no, no part of that sounds exciting or good. I don't, what is it? Of course we all drink it right now down the hatch it went what is it sean what's a surfer on that scene? uh it's pineapple juice and malibu rum and jägermeister it sounds and looks gross but it actually tastes pretty good so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had several surfer on acids that's when it was surfer exciting. on acid wow yeah, yeah it sounds can't good. say that I don't know if it compare it might compare to old Fitzgerald or something, maybe. No, no, it does not. It not at any, all. No, there's no comparison. It's it's no that's comparison. A, that's a different type of drinking. Let's just say old Fitzgerald's a nice, <laughs> yeah. and sophisticated thing. That surfer on acids when you're at the pool hall and eating a hamburger uh-huh. <laughs> with the boys type of deal. So that's and go ahead. No, you first. I know it's going to be entertaining, whatever it is you're going to say. No, it is actually. <laughs> I really enjoyed um, hanging out with you guys and uh, just sharing different ideas and learning everybody's story, and um, which I had no idea that three of the what I, three of the TCA guys were going to be there, and um, I had to really reel myself in to not. Um, let that in, in intimidation take me over and shut me down, you know. So, well, and I'll be completely honest when I seen you across the hall, and I, I was embarrassed immediately when I introduced myself and did, had no freaking earthly idea who you were. And you said Sean did, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I know this guy. I met him before, you know, but I, I could tell you were eyeballing over there, like, I didn't know these guys were here, whatever. I, 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 I kind of thought that you knew who I was, but I was like, I, I know I know this guy, but I don't know. And of course, you got a little West Texas panhandle still wrote on you a little bit. And so I could I could tell right. some I could tell some <laughs> of that was there. But I I uh you know I, I it was a really good experience for me too. And and I, I'm really glad it it worked out the way it did and you being there and all that. It was fun. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the Cowboys, as Schwartzy has been told, kind of we took over the entertainment factor and had some fun. Enjoyed the class. Yeah, that's, uh... It was definitely a, an awesome deal. Learned a lot to the point to where I, when I got home, I, uh, I personally, I just took a break. 
had to step yeah. away and uh, just do lots of absorbing and rethinking stuff about you know what I wanted to do and then what direction I wanted to go. It was a TCA outreach moment, Shortsy. We were we were we were politicking pretty heavy, showing him how cool we were. You know, we were we were we weren't hazing. We were pledging his. <laughs> we were pledging him, right? <laughs> right. trying to get him in our fraternity, telling him how cool yeah. we were. Well, the the funny deal is, um, a guy by the name of Steve Stevenson, um, he kind of showed me a lot of your guys' stuff you know, years and years ago. And uh, I can remember multiple nights of just sitting and going through the catalog and like, man, how they do that? Or isn't that cool? And so you guys have, have always been something that I uh, aspire to or on my radar, however you want to put it. I'm trying to figure out how I wanted you to get into that deal. And, um, you know, I, I've met Ernie and, Dirty Dave Olverson and Russell Yates <laughs> and a lot of guys like that. Uh, he lived next to Nate, basically. I mean, yeah, Nate Walt. Yeah. Uh, in fact, me and Nate and Arnie S just got back from Elko uh, from last week, and I was I uh, hold that thought. We're going. I'm sure there's good stories. As soon as we get off this DCA thing, we'll get some Elko stories. <laughs> <laughs> but the TCA but, was it was. It's always been there then. You've seen it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you guys have definitely opened up a completely new world for uh, for all the, whether you're a Britain sperm maker, saddle maker, um, you know, glue sniffers, <laughs> whatever you guys <laughs> want to call each other. Uh, and the deal that I that helped me the most give me a lot of confidence in the deal was understanding that uh, when you guys sell a really high a piece for, for a lot of money, um, well, that opens the door for everybody else. Um, perceived it, value. Yeah. As perceived value. That, that's a, I think that was, is, the biggest obstacle that that I face is um, paying, getting paid for the my efforts. So, I mean, and, and that's part of the chain, ball and chain that you have with being a goldsmith and working in a jewelry store, right? Is it the the security of you're done at five o'clock, and and what a what a what a a change that was is is eight to five, and then you're done at five o'clock. Well. When you get back into like mine and Carrie's world, now we're back to ranching, and that that job then turned back into a way of life if you're not careful. And five o'clock is just a number on the clock if if things aren't <laughs> right. Is like the commitment level and all that. And you don't, I mean, you don't have to be a sole proprietor to be a TCA member, right? Is is a guy could, um, a guy can do whatever the heck he wants as long as you produce the three best things you've ever made in your entire life each and every year. No small feat, right? But uh, the commitment, did that, does that bother you? Is that something that... What is it? Um, no, not? it doesn't bother me. It, the, it doesn't bother me because at some point in time, I realized that's what it takes. 
there's no shortcuts to the deal. You have to, um, you know, get up and practice every day and clear your mind of all the chaos and just take one step after another, after another. And then eventually, which I'm sure we've all, well, I know you guys have experienced, but it doesn't become such a grind. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't take a, a terrible amount of effort to, uh, to be disciplined at the thing that you're doing, but it does take practice. <laughs> yeah, it does take practice. You can't just jump off out there. Like, um, it's like a Colt in the round pin, right? Three-year-old ain't going to handle a two and three-year-old ain't going to handle a riding all day long. First month they're going, that, that's just not, that's not in their repertoire, yeah. but as 15 year old you can ride him all day long for two days in a row three days in a row it's like yeah cool whatever we got to do right yeah yeah well it's all good it is a it's exciting to it, it it's exciting to hear your uh mindset there right and and where you're at and, and to, to share the likenesses with somebody from the out you're the outside looking in and uh once you get inside to actually see what's inside then you realize hell we're all the same it's all it, there's no yeah. outside there's no inside it's just we've 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 committed to a certain thing and here we are so right you know i think part of what happens you know you talk there willie about outside and inside we all have in some sense an outside and an inside yeah. i mean we we have our circle of people that we know i'm some are inside that circle and some are not. And uh, But what happens, I think, when you become kind of, in some sense, public figures, you're, people know it's it's announced who's on the outside and inside. Then it becomes an, a boundary. Then it becomes a clear line of demarcation. Okay, this person is not, that person is. Then, then, then it becomes a different animal. But in some sense, each one of us has has those boundaries so well, that's that, what one reason why we got this here podcast going right wilson yeah is to kind of start blurring those lines of distinct distinction we were uh and uh i don't have a problem saying that no and and well, I'll, like everybody else i'll take it back to the hallway in emporia in august is i could i got the sense that you knew who i was but I didn't like the line drawn of outside, inside him, me. I didn't like yeah. that. I don't like that. You're on my team, buddy. We're in this deal together. We're all on the same platform. And so I work really hard with whoever it is, wherever I'm at to make sure everybody knows, shoot, man, we're all the same deal. And I'm, I'm not saying you put me at a, at a upper level, any kind of level, because it's just, we're all, there is no inside outside. I work really hard to make sure everybody knows that. And if you listen to a podcast 50 times and all this crap, uh, you can automatically put people in places that they don't know about. And I, I don't want to be put there. I, I, yeah, I'm accomplished at what I do and I love doing what I do, but no inside and outside. We're all in it together. That's John, when I, when I teach, I know one, one thing I, And I'd like to get your your response to this. I have a, a hard time describing myself as a master teacher, all that kind of stuff. And and furthermore, 
that the people that attend my classes as students in a traditional sense. I'd prefer to use, I use the, the terminology, we're all fellow travelers. We're just in different places on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes we're on a different road. So when you, that helps level the playing field that I'm here to learn just like everybody else in this class. And I'm sure you can say the same thing as I do. You come out of a class, having taught a class, you wind up (laughs) kind of learning, if only a small thing, from being in that class and actually teaching it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, I I have to really work at controlling... (laughs) how excited I get um, when I'm around people that are interested in the stuff that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, it always works out the same way. Some guy will have uh, whether you're drawing or whatever it is that you're doing, um, they'll have their mindset or how they do things. And then you're get exposed to that. And you're like, Oh man, I wish I had thought of that. And so then that's where I get all excited. And I'm like, Oh, let's, what do you think of this deal or what do you think of that deal um it's it's awesome stuff to be able to share with with people and that's my deal is if if i ever get to make contact with a person like i can remember the first time that i talked to ernie on the phone um and i just wanted to know everything that he could possibly share with me and on the phone and and then i just I always just bug people until they're finally like, man, I, I gotta go. <laughs> Give me a break, you know. Well, but uh, yeah, it's cool stuff. What about Elko? Uh, so we, we started getting text messages about 20 miles out of Billings, I think, Schwartzy, from Sean, <laughs> taking pictures of Nate and Arnie in the back seat, and they were. they were not entertaining our buddy near well enough, I don't think, because he was he was busy sending pictures snaps uh, it elko was awesome i uh had multiple chances to talk to nate and uh, bug him about different stuff and quiz him about the tca and uh you know, it, it, he's no different than anybody else he's an awesome guy to hang around with and he's willing to share and um i the entire time we're there, there's people coming up to the booth and, um, you know, they're talking to all three of us and it's, it's all nice to be complimented on stuff. But I really paid attention as to how Nate presented himself and took it as a learning experience. I mean, he's an extremely nice guy, open to whatever questions people have to ask him. And I have to remind myself of um, how privileged and blessed I am to get to hang around guys like that that are willing to share stuff. No, I hope Nate doesn't listen because I don't want to make his head swell. But what a gem of a guy, right? Just a just a salt of the earth type individual. Oh yeah, you'd never know he's one of the greatest rawhide braiders in the world. But but yeah, it's always fun hanging with Nate. And I, you know, I've met Arnie once or twice. Arnie was one of the first guys I saw with relief engraving, you know, Ernie had done it and, and John, of course, and there, was, there was some of that stuff going on, but I, I didn't get to see a lot of that work. And I was at a show in Vail in Vail at Claggett Ray 
and uh, and Arnie was and Nate too was invited to that show, and, and uh, that's where I met both those guys for the first time. Right before my TCU. Uh, the deal that I love about Arnie is um, I've known him for years and years, and I've never seen him with a poor attitude. He's always got a smile, and uh, you know, them are things that that I want. Hopefully, at some point, somebody would say, man, Sean was a nice guy, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, like with Arnie, he, uh, I've collected several of his pieces. And just recently at the Elko show, I managed to get a buckle that he had done several years ago. Um, and he had sculpted a guy roping a longhorn steer on it. Um uh, Man, it's just awesome to be able to sit down and look at that stuff. And Arnie, he's he's just type of guy. He's like, ah, oh, that ain't nothing. Could have been better, but uh, you know, to get exposed and to be able to see and different methods of how people do stuff—that's a pretty awesome deal. It is fun hanging with with the light minds like that. That's one of the greatest benefits of the TCA. That's that's really hard to explain, but to you know, I mean, so there's only three active bitten sperm makers in the group, but you can learn a little bit from all of them and the attitude and the approach to the to the craft and the journey, the the road that we're all on. Is, to me, that's one of the greatest parts of being a part of the group. Right. And then, but the, the other really cool deal that um, took place is in Elko, John Wright, which he owns the uh, Capriolas. Mm -hmm. So they put on a show that's called the, oh, crap, I forget the name of the museum of cowboy yeah artist or something like that but anyways they had a big show an extremely successful one everybody sold all their pieces and lots and lots of good work well they all they so they had a bit making contest a spur making contest and then a rawhide deal and uh, when i was in there i see nate going through the deal and um, so I had the opportunity to ask him, I said, what is it that you are looking at? Which he wasn't judging it. He was just admiring the stuff. So to get his perspective on, um, what he looks for in a piece that'll set it apart from everybody else. Um, you know, that's, I can apply those aspects of what he was looking for in braiding to my engraving you know you're always i'm always and i'm sure you're the same way carries the same way we're always looking for ways to improve upon stuff and sometimes that we just simply don't see it until somebody else is willing to to share their thoughts on that stuff and it always floors me how it goes back to the fundamentals those things that we're looking yeah. at it's the simple stuff it's the fundamentals that take us to the next level for some reason yeah it, it wasn't uh it wasn't whether a guy missed something on the, you know, I don't even know the correct terms for braiding, but as far as stuff overlapping, uh, there was none of that, but he was looking at, you know, are your, is the braid running straight? Is it, mm -hmm. is these, are these deals flat to the buttons match up in size and in distance? And you can do a lot of really fancy stuff to something, but if it's all kind of chaotic or there's one, little deal that's out of place well that's the thing that catches your eye first so it just reinforces the deal 
take your time, stick with the basics, and then you can build upon that. You can, but it's the, it's the foundation that will make or break you. Think they'll ever have a silversmithing contest there at the Capriolas? Think John will do that? Um, well, yeah, I don't know. We've, uh, which I've been in their show for several years, and there ain't no telling. Right now, I know that uh, John is, they're really successful with the, the bit making deal. This was the first year that they had the spur making contest, but uh, mm -hmm. it, yeah, it could definitely be that way, you know. And which, you know, they're not, uh, now it's kind of the only show like that. But, you know, years ago you had Red Bluff and uh, the deal in Utah. I think that was called Traces of the West. You know, there were lots of shows like that that a guy could get into. And it wasn't necessarily about winning the show, but uh, getting somebody's an honest critique of how mm. a person could improve. That's what really elevated me and, and helped me to, to just simply make my stuff better. And I've had critiques from <laughs> lots of different people that there were things that I, in all honesty, I knew I could have done better. And, mm. When you just went you know, pointed yeah. out and you're held accountable, it's kind of like, well, yeah, and then you can't run away. <laughs> yeah, you can't run away from it. I, I remember years ago, I had built a set of headstall buckles, and Jeremiah Watt had bought them. And I was like, "Man, that's you know, I was all proud and happy." Well, then uh, Jeremiah called me. He's like, "Hey, he said I'm going to send this back to you because I think you can do better." And I was like, "What?" Oh. And it was just that <laughs> the the bar across, you know, for your tongue, I had made it too tall. Yeah. And in all actuality, I knew I had made it too tall, but I tried to slip it through. And so Jeremiah was kind enough to give me the opportunity to fix it and make it right. I really wish, you know, that I had done that the first time. Yeah. But it to uh, get a little, tiny little spanking like that, the little ouchie deal of oh man i wish i'd have taken the time and the effort to to do it right and so now any little buckle that i make or any little piece i i do my very best to make sure that i don't have to apologize for anything yeah and that's what hurts me the most is but it's guys like that that are all throughout the industry that that help people in small ways and it's all up to the individual as to whether or not he takes offense at somebody's honest opinion about stuff up to you huh it's up to you oh buddy. yeah what do you do you know i i i hired mike skinner to to help me with my business side of it and the very first thing he told me was you need you don't have enough billable hours you know what made me mad about that it took him to it? yeah i've known it for years <laughs> i've been keeping track of hours for years and it took him telling me to freaking do it uh, at, at over 11 billable hours yesterday, Schwartzy. Not that for hours, right? I mean, and it's crazy Bad. how things have changed by somebody holding me accountable. Jeremiah sending that buckle back to you saying, hey, man, you did this wrong. You probably know you did it wrong. Now fix it. And you're like, right. you, fi you fixed it. And now you're happy, right? And everything's good.
That's funny how oftentimes on those kind of situations, you do have this little voice in the back of your mind. Oh, yeah. That's speaking to you, and you just want to tell it, put tape over that mouth. I don't want to hear that. I want, right. You know, there's a, there's a deal they call completion bias, which is a real thing in in the in the world and and stuff where you just want to get it done you just want to drag this project across the finish line and be done with it that's called completion bias and it and all the while there could well be some some things that are hollering at you some voices saying wait whoa wait whoa uh not not just yet and uh you're you're kind of looking up at the clock and that clock's ticking louder and louder and and uh, completion bias takes over and you just kick it out the door, put a so, label on it and ship. So me keeping track of my time, if you don't handle that properly, will create completion bias because you bid the job, right? You know, you're only getting paid X amount of dollars for it. And then you're sitting there keeping track of your time and it's calculating what the value of the piece with the time you spend on it is and when you blow past that bid number that's where the discipline comes in because you have to stay true to the integrity of the project and complete the project to what you started out to do regardless of the time so when i see a lot of guys when they well i'm losing money then they just whip through it uh-oh right that's not good and then 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 you're going to get it back in the mail and i think you could do a better job right that's not good you have to be that, disciplined that, that way. Really, a eye-opening deal that I had was, um, and it come from Jordan Peterson, but it's a definition of to sin. Um, so it, a lot of people have their own viewpoints, but in reality, to sin is some is an archery term. And it means to miss the mark is what sin means. So <clears throat> when I had heard that, which, you know, we're all given the example of Jesus. That's what we all aspire to be. Mm -hmm. um, so you wonder like, well, what is my best? Yeah. And we'll never, ever be perfect, but, um, you're always working at this deal that's out of reach. You're trying to do the very best you can. And, and then to know that it's not a terrible deal. Like it, it didn't ruin me by any means. It actually improved me when Jeremiah had me yep. fix that buckle. Yep. And I had missed the mark when I let it, I let it go into the mail when I actually knew better. Um, so I, I, I tried to slip it by and Jeremiah caught me. It didn't ruin me or break me. It actually made me better by him pointing and, out. And the way you handled it probably made you more appreciated and respected as well from Jeremiah, right? I mean, that was an experience mm -hmm. between the two of you. But by you saying you're right and you fixed it, you probably went up two or three levels in Jeremiah's book where if you'd have handled it the other way, well, you arrogant son of a gun. You don't know what you're talking about. I did the, <laughs> that wouldn't have been good, right? That wouldn't have been good at all. Sure. It's like in my shop, I have a tiny little spot on the wall, the wall of shame. And I'm actually 
kind of proud of that because there are some pieces um, that I would not let myself ship out. Yeah. And huh. then, to, so it's a big deal for me to, you know, you have a few hundred dollars tied up in silver and lots of time. And uh, to be able to pull that out of the deal and be like, that's, I cannot let myself um, get away with that stuff. You know, I have to hold myself accountable for, so I leave it on the wall and I get to see it every day. Yeah. But it's we, also the, the deal of, I know that um, I have enough pride and self-respect in myself that it's going to stay right there on the wall. And I, I don't scrap it out or melt it down to get it out of my memory. I want to be able to look at it and know that uh, I was self-disciplined enough to start all over from scratch and then make it correctly. Go again. So when... Um, oh. We'll go ahead, Torchy. Well, I just, I was just thinking, you know, we've talked about this little voice in the back of our minds that's saying, eh, it ain't quite right, ain't quite right. And do I ship or not? And, and all that stuff. But every once in a while, you, you come up with a project that you're really happy about it. Yeah. You know, this is, this is about as good as it can. I, I don't know what I would change about it. And, uh, you know, as good as I can get. And then a then a tough critique comes back on that. That's another that's another whole layer of you have to be willing to accept the spanking, regardless of how how it comes. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I guess that's just being mature. I I don't yeah. know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you would define it, but um, it does feel good when you when you're able to have a little self control and not let it wreck you and and to build upon that you have the men, the mental side of this whole journey that we're on is is it's the most important one and you 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 have to be strong you have you can't you can't get too high with the highs or too low with the lows you just have to stay stay hooked and committed and moving forward but it, it the my i mean like the first time i didn't sell a piece at the tca show ernie was talking to me he said yeah every time i don't sell one i want to go out to the trailer and jump off the side with a rope around my neck you know and, <laughs> and you do and invariably that was my favorite piece best thing i'd ever done in my life i just loved it i knew everybody would love it Bonk. it's the first one that doesn't sell you know and and that's that's the ultimate critique right there so you you know learning how to endure that type of stuff and stay hooked and stay committed and and take the good with the bad that's there's challenge to that and it never that never stops uh, that's the well to be totally honest that's what has kept me in a roundabout way from Brian. trying to become of the tca a uh, part of the tca is um i know that uh there's not going to be anything that gets slipped by that's like i will let that pass because you have to put out your very best effort and not only do you have the the customers well it's the fellow makers that are there enforcing is not the correct word, but uh, making sure accountability. Yeah, that that you're doing the best that you can. That's a scary deal because <laughs> it dealing it fighting against myself is hard enough. But then, um, well, it's hard. And, and I'll tell you, Sean, uh, 
the hardest one you're ever going to fight against is yourself. Uh, right. That he never goes away. Shane, right? And that Shane, Shane's that. Yeah, there are. <laughs> that's where the the alter ego guy comes around. Like we had Brushy Bill and yeah. he bagged Troy. And, <laughs> He's, and he Shane, said... Shane come out to play multiple times. <laughs> uh, I mean, I hate that guy, but he's not he's not terrible to hang out with. Yeah, he's fun to hang out with, but he makes you eat McDonald's on the way home late at night and things like that. You don't want right, to yeah. take you in places. Gross. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> no, you know, uh, there's something that, that I heard Bill Parcells, who was a coach for the Dallas Cowboys, and it was at the early on stages of Tony Romo's career. Bill was leaving, and he told Romo, he said, don't ever let good enough be good enough. So true right i mean that that's the journey that we're on is don't ever let good enough be good enough but i would also like to add to that just a little bit because that can be i see guys that's well that's it i i can't let that leave the shop they don't let it they don't ever let anything leave the shop because it's not good enough to them well i can't be john ennis today i'm working towards being john ennis and the and the skill set that he has with with metal smithing but i'm i'm not there so if I hold myself to that standard, nothing will ever leave because I haven't reached that, that pinnacle yet. So the way I like to describe it is don't let good enough be good enough, but there's a good enough to every day. Now, how do you define that? That means, can I do it better? If I know how oh, yeah. to do it better, then that's not good enough. But if I've done it to the best of my ability, and that doesn't mean that I've done it perfectly or that I truly like what it is I've done, but I don't have any idea how to make it better, then that's part of that's the next stage of the journey of how to get there. Right. And invariably day after day it comes. So don't don't ever let good enough be good enough, but there's a good enough to every day. Sure. And the funny deals I listened to the podcast you guys did with Troy West. I listened to it yesterday and um no matter how many, you know, he's supposedly, it, it's a funny deal. It took him nine attempts to get into the deal. Mm -hmm. um, if a guy really steps back and evaluates himself, uh, man, that's an awesome example of don't quit. Just keep yeah. going after it and eventually you'll get there. And I think that's what a, a lot of people need to do is um, not, not give in just keep going and going uh you know with your guys's deal of uh offering people in, in education and challenging them to get better and there's what else in life is more valuable than that yeah. than an improvement upon yourself we uh we talk about the application process and it's it's a it's the worst part of being a member because you got to tell some of your best good buddies that they're not quite good enough yet, but it, it's the worst part about, you know, applying is tough, right? It, that's you're sticking your neck on the chopping block and all these guys are going to swing their axes at it. And that's like, good gosh, you, you're, it's not exhilarating. It's not, it's not an exciting experience, but if you have a Troy West attitude and a John Walensma attitude that you take, that is the best opportunity to get a critique of your work that then you can go home and improve. And, and, uh, you, you should leave that experience. And that's not just a one day experience. It, it's a, you know, you're, you're probably not going to, Carrie's not going to give you a big old, 
uh, critique of your saddle the day you apply. But over the next, the course of what month or two short years, y'all, that you and that maker can discuss what went on and mm -hmm. you can learn an awful lot from that. And you take that knowledge home and no, it's not the fellowship where you get to spend a year, but I guarantee I'm going to invest some time and effort in making you better if you apply and don't get in. Right. I want you in. I, I need you. In. So, so years ago I had built a flask, which I kind of told you the story when we were there and then in yeah. Kansas, but so I'd built a flask put a lot of time and effort into it you know it was i had a little hidden compartment in it and hobbles and gold and lots of engraving and stuff well i sent it to mark drain and uh i didn't know what response i would get back and he ended up he sent it back and sent me he actually called me when i got it back and He's like, man, he said, you did some really great work in this and that, but why would you use pattern wire when you put that much effort into everything else? <laughs> and all I could say was, I don't know. It, it just <laughs> seemed like the thing to do. I was too lazy to, to make my own pattern wire. So, you know, I took that in and from that point on, I thought I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that guy. I got so damn close to uh, getting a pat on the back, which is an odd deal, but yeah, he was kind enough and honest enough to point out, yeah, you've done some awesome engraving. It looks really nice, and the fabrication was really good, but you dropped the ball <laughs> when you put on the pattern wire. So he, why? I, I did the same thing, and then I sent him a bit looking for the how do I make it better thing? And you did really nice kid, but why did you buy your nails that, <laughs> that I put the conchos on with? Right. Well, I was like, I didn't even know you could make nails. I didn't even know you could make nails. Yeah. Right? That's why I didn't well, you know that. that what you do. <laughs> yeah. That was actually my deal. Is, well, they make pattern wire. Why would I want to <laughs> make my own when it's right there in the catalog? Yeah. But, uh, and so then, the strange deals I went he doesn't have a whole lot of stuff on online that you can look at but but I did start looking at his stuff and I'll be damned everything is handmade right and uber and creative just, he didn't he didn't drop by real grand and get some pattern wire and make a fifteen thousand dollar piece no. it was all handmade so it was a it was a good lesson and and a an honest challenge to me to expand my horizons well one of the most and creative individuals pattern wire. <laughs> yeah, no pattern wire for sean <laughs> one of the, you know mark's one of the most creative individuals in the world and that's just the way he thinks right it's like that's you did okay with that pattern wire but let me show you something cool right i'd rather do this and and it's so much more fun with him in his world and, you know, regardless of all the bells and whistles that I had on it, as far as, you know, little hidden compartments and that stuff, he didn't mention any of that. The first thing that caught us, I was the pattern where I was like, damn it. In a fundamental, right? The beginning yeah. stage, that's a that's the ingredients to the, to the, to the puzzle. Uh-oh, y'all hear that? But, um, well, that's cool. Well, cool. I feel bad. I kind of dominated the deal. Poor Carrie, he's just standing there 
for sitting there listening to me ramble on. Uh, I've been, this has been a real joy to hear your story and your whole approach to craftsmanship and improvement and all that kind of stuff. In fact, uh, that word joy, I think, is the common thread through the whole thing. You talked earlier, Sean, about the grind. You know, how do you avoid, you know, this this relentless effort to get better and it not become a grind and a and a burden, as it were. And I think the the answer to that is there's joy in what we do. There's joy in in that that journey of of trying to get a little bit better, next thing a little better than the last. And and there's there's joy in all in teaching. When you see that light bulb come on, there's joy in that. And you know it when it happens. I mean, it, 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 it's just slapping you in the face and and how that that in turn comes back as you're helping somebody else that uh, that creates joy in our hearts too. So yeah. it's just all, all, all that's, that's the, the benefit, the personal benefit of doing what we do, building stuff with our hands, finding ways to improve things and helping other people along the way. Right. How, how can it get any better than that? Oh yeah. Most I, Totally agree. It's an awesome feeling, without a doubt. Schwartz is used to not talking, Sean. He doesn't get to talk. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, usually the times that he does spout off about something, he, it's something about being being able to um, control your thoughts or use your brain to its full potential. And that that's the stuff I really crave and, and look for is being able to improve myself in some form or fashion with whatever ideas that the guy comes up with that I don't know what podcast it was in, but um, you had mentioned like brushing your teeth left-handed. Mm -hmm. I'll be damned if I don't do the same shit in the morning to, I don't know if it actually works <laughs> or not, but I, I attempted to get my brain to function a different way to, you know, you got your right brain, left brain stuff, and it's little tricks like that that uh, that a guy tries to do to to separate himself from the rest of the crowd. Well, <laughs> we're all weird. He is shaved left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would. I, I wouldn't have a mustache if I tried to shave. <laughs> I'd have half one, maybe, but. <laughs> I dare you. It's little weird deals like that that unless a guy tries it, um, you'll never know. So it's I know it's it was an odd deal to bring that up, but in the same respect, you have to go beyond your uh safety zone in order to get past stuff. So um next next podcast we'll talk about cold water therapy, huh, Willie? No. Oh, there's a reason I live take in the a cold south. shower maybe, every maybe, day. Do you take cold showers, Sean? Do you do that? You get in a hot tub. Uh, actually, I do. See, you're weird, too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, there's, a, there's a guy that talks about, um, I don't know how he titles it, but uh, there's a story where a guy took over the Viking team in England. 
like they, them guys just as a group, they sucked for the longest time. Well, so he would take little tiny deals that he knew that they could improve upon, um, you know, whether it be their pillows or what they ate or what they wore or stuff like that. And they would apply that. And eventually the team got to where they were dominating the bicycle racing part in the world. And so he was saying that, you know, it's just, if you can improve 1% every day for a year, well, you're 36% better than you ever were. Mm. And it wasn't a huge effort to make that 1% improvement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I hear them deals and as funny as it sounds, you know, you brush your teeth left-handed or you take a cold shower. What's the purpose of that? With taking a cold shower, you actually realize um, that a little bit of cold water is not going to hurt you. You've gained some amount of self-control. And uh, so if you can apply that a little bit every day, well, in a year's time, you're 36% better. And if you don't do anything at all, um, well, that's on you. You had the opportunity to improve. So is this the the Wim Hof? Is it Wim? Wim? It's that guy that takes all the cold. He does all the breathing things and cold, cold shower, cold ice. Uh, kind of big Viking looking guy. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> I think so. yeah. Not familiar with him, but uh, hmm. oh, there's well, a lot of studies that have been done on that. And and a lady from I think she's from Denmark. Which, of course, the Scandinavian country, that's a cold water therapy has been a thing for probably centuries. But uh, but it, it does have, it it has both psychological and physical benefits. Um, so, how are it? You want to learn how to be tough in between your ears? Yeah. Conjure up the courage to do that every day. And, and after a while... <laughs> Willie's Willie's shaking his head. He says, "You're crazy." I said, "Crazy." I'll sit in a 140 degree sauna every day. That don't <laughs> bother me. But four, if, well, how, cold is, how cold's the water? It's got to be colder here at my house because my pipes are only six inches deep, maybe three. <laughs> so it's got my water's got to be colder than y'all's. 54 degrees out of the ground here. Yeah, which doesn't say, sound that cold but no, hell no. Uh, all the studies that, that they they say when you get down into into the mid 50s something like that it it'll have its effect it, it will have its effect on you so then you got people kind of taking it even further where it's an ice bath you've that's seen what, that's what the whim guy does yeah we're talking 40 degrees Ooh, right. wow no, no, like. But what's crazy about about the cold shower deal or cold water is, um, you know, your body has a natural reaction where you're uh -huh. inhaling, and uh, uh -huh. but it, you do it a few times, and you actually realize you know what's coming, um, and you gain a little bit of improvement where you, you're not thinking that you're gonna die. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. when you turn the water mm-hmm. on. So, so is that what y'all it's do? All, you it's just, all about you, being able to change your mind. Change you just get thoughts. you just get in there and turn the water on. It hits you on top of the head, and away you go. Yeah, there's if you try and try it any other way, it's you just make it tougher on yourself. You can't just tiptoe into it. No, I can't. The, the studies are showing that the the actual amount of time uh, where you can actually get benefit is really, really low. Uh, this lady that did this study said that uh, 11 minutes a week cold right. water therapy. That's not very much. Well, so that so, so if you, it's going to take a couple minutes for it to warm up. So if you just get in there, turn it on yep. hot all the way. Well, the cold water is going to hit you for two minutes. You take that's fourteen minutes. What? So am I going to make you, me taller or stronger go. or what? What's this benefit? Well, the it it they say it relocates <laughs> physiologically. It relocates your it it your it's body re- says oh it's it's, it's cold, gonna relocate so, something well, it I drives promise. your <laughs> it's not good your, uh, <laughs> well, it drives your 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 blood your it, your body wants to send that that uh your blood i don't know how that works to your core and and so it's it's a way of self-preservation for your body to react that way so if you jump in there it takes a minute for it to warm up that's where I started out. And then I, and then you take your warm shower and then I turn it off onto cold and you go back to cold for a full two minutes. And As so it, it's kind of whipsawing your back, your, your, your systems kind of get whipsawed back and forth. And uh, so it, it really, it, it, it forces your body to, to react to that, to the warmth, to the cold and, and uh, and the other part of it too, I don't know how we got on this subject. <laughs> Pick on Willie, man. It's what it's feeling but, like here. But they say don't don't get out of don't warm up in the shower. Get out when it's turn the cold off and get out, and then your body will will fight to get back to stasis, you know, to where where it's warm again. If you but make that- your body do that then uh then you'll you'll you get just a process of hardening in your body and your mind it's so a that, two-stage deal right so that actually willie doesn't realize it but he does something comparable to that every day right. and that's by making yourself get up and draw yeah there's similar it, there's no yeah. difference yeah huh. um you are actually overcoming the the want to be lazy mm. and not do it and by just simply getting up and drawing every day um you know without a doubt that you're improving in mm-hmm. some form or fashion and whether you're taking a cold shower or being lazy like willie and drinking hot coffee in the <laughs> next episode, you're still improving yeah you're still improving all right all right, all right. So I, I, I get that. I understand that. So I, I'll do anything if I see reason to get better. But if like, just for my, I don't know, right? I'm pretty healthy. So I'm like, but maybe I could be healthier. I get it. Maybe I should go. 
TJ, I've been telling him this stronger. for several years, and and uh, he'd been complaining. Yeah, when I get up, I just got this brain fog for like ninety minutes or something like that in the morning. I said, I got a remedy for that. Finally, he started doing it. Here, I don't know, not even six months ago, he says, I will never not do that. So what? So is he doing the deal where? jump in the shower cold right turn it on it's hitting you cold it i don't know up, or yeah, is i don't, just know. Taking cold I don't know about that i'll have to ask him about that but uh yeah it's uh sean's got it dialed in it's exactly the dynamics that you're talking about it's huh. asking yourself to um do something challenging every day yeah. if only just a little thing and you start accumulating those little challenges and you just start becoming adept at a lot yeah. bigger challenges and bigger challenges. And it's all integrated into a whole. To me, it's a way of, of approaching life holistically. That may be an offensive term to some people, but, but no. it's the truth. Well, well it, so the really good examples, if you've got a really lofty goal that you're wanting to achieve, well, more than likely you'll fail if you go after the great big deal. But if you take and break down the goals into things that you can achieve, well, you build upon those small successes. And, yep. and then before long, it actually turns into a deal you don't even realize how close you are to achieving that goal mm -hmm. because you focused on all the little stuff. And when you can whip out the little stuff, well, then the big one, it it ceased becoming big. Yeah. If that makes sense. Uh, so big goals. I think we actually do do our young people at disservice. And of course, adults fall into the same category in a lot of ways. But uh, when we say reach for the stars, mm. and I say bullshit, those stars are out of reach, buddy. You <laughs> can't reach the stars, but you can build a ladder one right, step right. at a time to get there. And so that, so it makes I, people impatient with the process. Yeah. It, well, and 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 I, if 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 for me, if I just focus on the stars, that get doesn't give me a game plan on how to get there. Stars are intimidating to me as long as I have a process of oh, I see how I need to do this in order to get there. Then I'm like oh hell yeah, and and sometimes you don't have all the roadmap laid out in front of you, but that that one step that is attainable needs to be inside of me right like so in my so mike i'm gonna run a successful business well how the hell do i do that i don't know he said get 40 hours let's just start with 40 hours a week well that's no big deal now right and 40 hours a week all the time so well, knowing that and having that success it should be a big deal now for you to start yeah. taking cold showers so, I know. <laughs> It's too easy. I've got to start this crap just because I'm going to, I know D Did Young's going to be on my ass every time now. Schwartzy only does it once a week. So, <laughs> Damn it. All right. I'll start doing it. I made y'all heard me say it. I'll start. And that I'll, I'll start out with just standing under it and seeing what hits me. <laughs> Knowing it's going to get cold in a minute. <laughs> that's the easy, that's the easy part is, is, uh, <clears throat> is being in a warm shower and then and then turning it on cold is easier than getting in there and getting hit 
with a fire hose of cold water. That's the hardest part. That first step in the shower, that's hard. I don't know. I've been doing it for years and, and it's always hard. It's just always hard to do that. All right. I'm, I'm on a, I'm just going to do it though. I'm just, I'm just going to stand under the damn shower and turn it all the way on hot and see what the hell hits me. Uh, oh man. I can't. Oh, one little deal that we have a little Bible study group and we actually got stuck with all the teenagers, which will drive you nuts. <laughs> But um, I come up with, I had found a deal and it's until a guy is, uh, looks at it or you never really think about it. So um, you are in control of your thoughts. Your thoughts control your words. Your words control your actions. Your actions become your habits. Um, your habits become your character and your character turns into your destiny. But until you realize that you can control your thoughts, um, you're just lost drifting through space or drifting through this life, you know. So control your thoughts about getting into the shower, Willie. <laughs> And then right. eventually it won't be no big deal. Now just get in there. <laughs> be jumping in the river like no big deal because it's 80 degrees instead of or 70 degrees. Uh instead of 50. All right. Well, you guys had that had actually challenged me to get out of my comfort zone and take a step towards the TCA. So yeah. You know, it's the same concept. You gotta you got to take control of your thoughts. Okay, so I'll, uh, I'm not going to send you pictures, but I will start telling you yeah, about yeah. being in the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy <laughs> to take you at your word. <laughs> but uh, you can start sending me pictures of your progress of, you know, working towards TCA one day. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I guess we better go to work, all of us. Sean's yeah, we've been uh, having too much fun here. This is great. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate you coming. Yeah, thank on, you guys. I I appreciate the opportunity to bullshit with you and um have yourself a great day. Well, I look forward to many more conversations and I will endure a few Absolutely. Surfers, a few surfers on acids the next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> Adios, everybody. Take care. Thank you.